Yo, 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 what up people of the internet? We are back. This is the Outside the Box podcast. I am Jock Slade. I am the ringleader. I am the bad influence. I am the one that points us in the wrong direction. Uh, but obviously, this show couldn't be what it is if it was just me telling people to go the wrong way and to do the wrong things. That's why we have the two two good people, the two intelligent, the two stars, the two shining lights of the Outside the Box podcast, Nick and Tiffany. Nick, tell them where they can find you. <laughs> Nick Engvall, uh, you can find me on all the platforms, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L um, and sneakerhistory.com. But um, I'm really just here for the relationship advice, which I think we're going to get to later. So yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, Tiffany, go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> I'm Tiffany Beers, and you can find me at Tiffany uh, Beers, B as in boy, E-E-R-S, on Instagram and YouTube. Finally, some relationship <laughs> advice. I can't wait. Yes. Yeah, we're, le- we're leveling up. Uh, I don't know if everyone, if you guys have been listening for a long time, but uh, relationship advice is really the goal of this whole podcast. Like, it has nothing to do with sneakers. We're here uh, because we want to bring people together. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little later. But to kick off the show today, we're going to start with one of the players that I believe could have been one of the greatest players of the game, but because of injuries, never really got to get to his full potential. Uh, The legend in my mind, Grant Hill. He has just inked a lifetime deal with Fila and... uh, I'm happy that Fila is actually making this move. So for those that don't know about Grant Hill, uh, he's one of the best in the game. He's a part of the Basketball Hall of Fame. And uh, Fila, back in the day, was a big part of the basketball world. There are plenty of pop culture references that I'm sure Nick Ingvall can spill Mm -hmm. on you um, about when Fila was a bigger part of basketball and was taking on some of the big guys. But for me personally, I'm just going to say it's a great move for Fila. I think they're doing a good move by signing Hill to a lifetime deal and showing almost showing a respect for his legacy in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is something, you know, personally, I, I've wanted to see, all the brands do with their legacy athletes. I think that part of, you know, the nostalgic effort of, uh, of all the marketing teams bringing these and and creative teams, bringing these shoes back to the, you know, to the market without the player attached to it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. There's just not a lot of energy. And, and, you know, it's, 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 it's different for say an air max or where, you know, the shoe wasn't necessarily attached to one person, but when you have a shoe that's carried, you know, it's literally has a person's name in the title of the shoe um, because that was made for them or by them or, you know, with them and the designers, it's it's just good to see them doing that. And I think, you know, I, I applaud Fila for, for doing that. You know, I think that at that time, you know, right now they don't have quite the market share that they had back in the 90s, but, right, you know, I think one of the coolest stories I ever heard about that whole Grant Hill, um, you know, kind of uh, experience or whatever was, you know, I'm a big Tupac fan and Tupac wore one of, one of the Grant Hill shoes on his All Eyes on Me album on the insert for the CD. And those shoes, you know, nowadays that would be something where where somebody's paid to wear that. And back then the story, I, I'm going to mess it up probably, but Grant Hill basically 
liked the music or there was some sort of connection, friend of a friend kind of thing, and just sent the pair, you know, to Tupac to hopefully, you know, see if he liked the shoes. And it wasn't like, hey, wear these on your album cover type thing. He just rocked with the shoes and, and put them in the album, you know? And I think that's, yeah. that's like a, such a natural thing that can't occur nowadays that, you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of, this is kind of going back to those roots in a sense, because you get to bring the athlete there. The athlete's going to have friends that he's made along the way in his career to be able to share this new experience with and bring new people to the brand because there's obviously a lot of stuff. I mean, Grant Hill's probably the number one on, in terms of basketball, but, you know, there's Jamal Mashburn and, you know, um, like the Fila Tennis before the basketball kicked yeah. off for them. There's there's a whole lot of stuff on the racing side of things with, um, I think, Ferrari for a long time. And um, I want to say they did some BMW stuff for a while. It's just, it's just been a, wow. a long time thing for them, but... A lot of people probably don't know that now, and this hopefully will kind of open some eyes to seeing what the brand has done, and they can tell some cool stories behind it. I love I love these sneaker stories that you don't really hear a lot about these days. And uh, reading through the article, uh, it's over on ESPN, by the way, guys. Uh, we'll put a link to it down in the description, hopefully, if I remember. Um, but I probably won't, so don't hold me to that. Um, the the, the uh, Fila is going to approach it as strictly retros. They're not trying to get back into the performance basketball market. It's more of just retroing his shoe, which uh, you know, which is pretty cool. And reading through a little more, they say that uh, the the Grand Hill Two model sold about 135 million dollars uh, back when it was released back in the uh, 95, I believe 95, 96 season or 94, 95 season. And another fun fact about this whole like Fila thing is that the GH2, um, which was probably the best Fila shoe, I think, was pinned by David Race, our uh, Racy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to say Race R A Y S S E, who went on to found brand to found brand Black, and now designs Lonzo Ball's ZO2 signature shoe in partnership with Big Baller Brand. Uh, so that's very, very interesting uh, sort of tie-in back to, to the past and bringing it to the future with Lonzo um, tapping into to Grant Hill in a sense, which is which is a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. So, Tiffany, uh, just just quickly, were were you into like the performance uh, like basketball market back then? No, I mean, not at all. The The only way <laughs> the only way I'm familiar with it is because my husband used to design for Fila. And oh. where I thought they were going was actually what made sense to me was actually they had a great chemistry between Grant Hill and the designer. And mm. they were able to produce a product that resonated with consumers. So I thought they were actually going to take it down a place where Grant helped them maybe communicate with athletes a little better to really drive product because whatever synergy they had with Grant was like, it was working. And I think that's hard to find. And I think he knows footwear. He knows the sport, you know, he could really help them actually get in performance again, I think. So I'd be shocked if they stayed in retro actually. Yeah. uh, That, that sounds, that's a great idea having him. And he, he is a respected and revered athlete. And I think he could, he would have some sway with the athletes of today. Um, with that sort of conversation, especially if, if Fila is looking to really get back into it, we see what Puma is doing and how aggressive they are being, and the opportunity is there. I, I, you know, for for a lot of these brands back then in the '90s, it was really 
an open field for getting in. Like it wasn't just Nike and Adidas like it is today. Back then it was, you know, Puma was, it was and one really had a big presence back then. And then Nike had obviously their presence and Adidas had a presence. So there were a ton of different options. And for the most part, they were all on a pretty level playing field. There was no like clear cut, this is number one. Maybe you could say Jordan just because of his mystique, but everything else seemed to be pretty, pretty level on a pretty level playing field back then. So uh, it's interesting to see, you know, this goes to show like the ups and downs of the market and how cyclical the market is. And, you know, now we have brands like, again, like Puma trying to get back into the mix and, and one doing some stuff to kind of get back into the mix. And obviously, you know what we'll talk about a little later new balance getting back in the mix so there's a ton of different options out there so for those out there listening that only think that it's only a nike and adidas thing um, you definitely should pay attention to uh, what's going on around you because there's a lot more options out there and um, i think you you'd be very surprised with how good some of those products are as well i i, yeah. I totally agree and i think i think that you know there were so many brands that that get totally forgotten you know like there were like avia or avia or whatever it was with like oh you know clyde drexler's signature shoe and converse was making shoes for like larry johnson and kevin johnson and i think i think what what you know like all of those brands had really successful runs making footwear and i think that there's a weird perception around the sneaker market right now that if a shoe doesn't sell out that means that it wasn't successful. But in reality, that's not the actual like measurement of success for a lot of companies, right? Of course, you would love to have all of your shoes sell out. And if you can sell out a shoe in five minutes and you know you can say that, then it becomes marketing for the next shoe. But at the end of the day, a lot of these companies aren't looking to play at the, at the you're not looking to play at Nike or Adidas's level, right? You're not looking to become a billion dollar basketball shoe company. You're looking to sell a few million dollars or tens of millions of dollars worth of basketball shoes. And you see a lot of companies, you know, in recent years, like, you know, um, uh, Brand Black and like Q4 and Leaning and all of these companies yep. are just taking a little piece of the pie. And it's like, I think that's such a smart way to do it because it lets you get a feel for the sneakerhead consumer, right? You now have a connection to them and and then you can, you know, kind of kind of like what Tiffany is describing with Grant Hill, if they could take that step and say, okay, here's the retro product. Here's why you remember it. You saw it in pop culture. It was on TV all the time. Everybody, you know, knew that shoe back in the day. But now, what if we did make 10 players in the league, you know, offers and started developing performance stuff? Because... Right. Like we talked about on the last episode, at some point, the performance element of it has to become like the reason you're doing it, right? Otherwise, you're destined to just become like a, a brand that sits on the shelves of Payless Shoes. If you yeah. don't have that in mind, I don't think that there's much of a future for that, right? It's like a one and done because like I'm not going to – I'm I'm a huge Grant Hill fan. The, the, the Grant Hill 2, the 96, whatever you want to call it, is one of my top five shoes of all time. And I already have a handful of pairs. I don't really need any more, but I'll probably buy one if they do it in the right way and and it's a good shoe. But otherwise, how do you reach the market, the rest of the market? Yeah, I think it's that performance story is really important, you know, that that creates like authenticity. But at the same time, like 
I think, you know, Fila especially, they got to be profitable. So somehow they yeah. have to figure out a story and aesthetic and some sort of performance benefit that resonates with the consumer. And that is not a small task. I mean, Adidas and mm. Nike have it down to a recipe where they can just crank them out all day. But I think the consumers have proven they're tired of wearing the same Kobe's and everything, the same Yeezy's that everyone else is wearing. So the interest in these smaller brands is huge right now because they offer a different aesthetic and a different story. So yeah. I think it's going to get really interesting. Yeah, it could be it, the sneaker. The sneaker world, I think, is, is changing, and there's lots of those small brands just getting a small piece. Um, I, I don't think people realize how big Nike is, and like if a company does 10 million, does 15 million dollars in product like that's good like don't like people people kind of look down on that but that's good like nike i believe nike has a rule uh and I, you don't have to answer this tiffany if you don't want to <laughs> but that like the like employees can't wear a shoe brand that makes over 10 million dollars in revenue um i've never heard that if, never heard that <laughs> no. that's that's what i've been told from several nike employees that there's like a, if, if a company makes more than 10 million dollars uh, that makes sneakers that they're not allowed to wear that brand. That's um, ridiculous. Which, <laughs> that I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. That's just what maybe that's maybe that's a, a an old wives' tale uh, from the brand. But that's what I've heard from several different employees. So we'll um, wow. we'll leave that at that. Uh, moving on to our next story. Uh, this one uh, I feel is really just getting started. It's been a big story, and there's been a lot of talk about it. Um, and it's about pay for play. A lot of um, in this situation, it's it's really affected Adidas, where three people that were uh, in f- part of the company uh, are uh, are affiliated with the company were convicted of uh, were convicted and were found guilty for pay for play for basically play- paying families to make sure that high profile athletes or basketball recruits would attend certain schools. In this case, it's Kansas, Louisville, and NC State. And it looks like the money was being funneled to their parents to make sure that the kids signed with a certain school or an Adidas-sponsored school, and then that the um, they would even sign with agents and sign with like financial planners that were affiliated with the company, and then obviously signing a sneaker deal with that brand at the end of the day. And again, in this situation, it's strictly focused on the people that were connected to Adidas, but this isn't something that's just happening with Adidas athletes. This is something that's happening across the board, and a lot of that stuff is gonna be coming out in the future. And I, I guess it, this is more of just like an information sort of conversation for you guys and for everyone listening to to know that this happens. And I think everyone kind of had the feeling that this happens. But this is more of like a confirmation of, yeah, this is really going on. And I kind of see it in a couple of ways. One, I see it as, you know, partly this is because, you know, kids are playing in college and not being compensated. And a lot of these, they come from poor families. They just have these incredibly 
incredibly talented athletes that have these opportunities in front of them. They don't know how long these opportunities are going to last. The NCAA isn't paying them. Some of them barely have enough food to eat on their meal cards. And when opportunities like this come along, of course they're going to do something like this because they want to take care of their families. So uh, I think, you know, as, as bad as it is, I think it's a larger system than just these three people or just Adidas being like, this is what Adidas is doing. I think that there's a larger system at play that that needs some changes done. Yeah, I think the whole college basketball thing is is, you know, in a really, really tough spot right now. Um, I don't know how they're going to I don't know how they're going to address these things and in, in a without it being a very like long drawn out and painful process for everyone involved. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly because I think in this article um, they're talking about one of the contracts being a 12 year deal worth $191 million. And when the athletes aren't allowed to make any money and a lot of the athletes don't have, don't come from, you know, a wealthy or well-off background it's it's incredibly difficult to go to school without playing sports and stick to it and do good in school. I can't imagine right. I can't imagine then throwing on the fact that like you're probably practicing and playing and traveling more than the normal like more than the normal stu- student does any type of work related to school. So Right. You know, and and to like you said, like when your family is struggling, coming from a different, you know, a background where you want to help your family, it's hard to not, it's hard to say no to that opportunity, right? And then so the the athletes don't get involved, and the brands or the the marketing agents. I mean, it, it, there's so many people that could be at fault for this, and and there's so many different things that need to be addressed, but specifically like the brands paying potentially paying family members to, to guide a, a, a kid to a brand owned school or a brand contracted school is yeah. just absurd to me. Um, I've been following this for quite a while. And I think that, you know, like you said, this is not just Adidas is the one that got caught. You know, it's kind of like one of those, like, you know, who, who gets caught with their hand in the cookie jar when everybody's taking cookies. Um, there's, right. there's been stuff, um, on a lot of other stories that I've been reading and listening to about this, where um, you know both Nike and Under Armour have had the same kind of things happen, and they essentially are saying like this is this is just kind of the start of of opening up this wound, what it, what it's going to become, and beyond that, it's even crazier that they're like because you know that an athlete potentially is going to make a lot of money in the pros, there's this like secondhand or second tiered part of this story that hasn't been talked about a lot is that a lot of these guys that actually go through school and are at our pro level players and then leave, they're actually handed off kind of to specific money managers that then again are taking a percentage of their money. They're supposed to be trusted because they've been working with, you know, whomever coach or, you know, guide or whatever since they were you know probably 10 or 12 years old you know like i think like legally it's probably 14 years old but you know how that works like if you're playing basketball at nine or ten years old and you're good 
everybody's paying attention to you and you start getting attention from all sorts of different people outside of your family. They start hanging around. You know, we've all seen the stories, the movies about it. We've all seen, you know, heard the Sonny Vaccaro stories, hopefully. Um, you know, those kind of yeah. things are just like, it's such big business. And yet the athletes don't get, you know, they get nearly nothing from it, you know. So I think this is, I don't like the, any of the negativity around it, but I also just think that it's something that it's it's time has come. We've all assumed that this happens, and now people are seeing firsthand that it that it has been, and now let's figure out a way to do it and do it better. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think at the core of things, kids are supposed to be going to college for an education, but we all know that changed at some point. But if you're an right. athlete, an injury, a single injury can end your career, and if you don't have the education, you are likely completely screwed. So, like, I think we need to focus back on the education at the same time. Like, I compare this a little bit to, like, the marijuana industry, right? When it was illegal, everyone said it's going to turn out this way, this way, this way when it became legal. And so it's like everyone knows that all these people are doing it. Mm -hmm. Just let it happen and let's see what shakes out. Like, let's see the impact because maybe it's not going to be as bad as we thought. Um so on some level, I think they just just let if the brands want to spend all their money on these college kids, great. I just hope the college kids figure out how to spend their money really wisely because that, yeah. as you mentioned, Nick, that is a massive, massive pitfall for athletes. And you know, like, what do you do after you're done being a pro athlete? Because pro athletes, like, they right. don't go into their 40s, they don't go into their 50s. I mean, it's rare cases. So it's like, what are yep. you going to do for the rest of the time, especially if you didn't manage your money? Like, I wish they could get some focus on this because I don't really care. Nike wants to buy athletes. Adidas wants to buy athletes in college. Good for them. If they're kids that don't have enough money on their food cards, good for them. Like, this helps them out. Like, give them that experience. But at the same time, I don't think anyone helps them manage it correctly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Uh, financial literacy should be a part of it especially when you see these guys that 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 know that they're contract bound like that should be part of their education while they're in school like if you know they're going to the league put put tools in place put tools in their hands give them the literacy the financial literacy they need give them the you know help give them the common sense that they need show them show them the way you have these alumni that that do this, like teach these kids the right way to go so that they, you know, they don't make these decisions and, and really burn out all their money. Thank God I wasn't a pro level athlete because I would be broke. This podcast would be my sole source of income. If I, if I got money early on, I can tell you guys that now yeah, I would, I would I, not be I, in a good place honest, either. <laughs> not at all. Talk, it's not too talk late. About guys. Being in the, it's not too late. It's not too late. <laughs> it's not too late. It's too late. It is. It's definitely too late for me to get to the league. These knees. These knees won't make it. Uh, talking about uh, securing the bag, I guess in a sense, uh, the folks over at Epic Games continue to win. I don't know who or what sort of karma they have, or what blessings, or what line they were in when God made them, but they are winning. Right now, I was not in this line. Epic Games, uh, the creator of Fortnite, raises $1.25 billion. And we read this story over on TechCrunch because uh, just let you guys know we're sophisticated like that on this here <laughs> podcast. 
And uh, yeah, $1.25 billion in a new round of financing. Um, here's some just some quick info on Epic Games. Uh, 20 years since Epic Games first released its Unreal game. Um, and with the success of Fortnite, the company has flipped the script. And basically, Fortnite has become the biggest game in the world. Like, there's literally no game that probably has more like media mentions and more people are playing it than than epic games they have a hundred million dollar prize pool to support competitive fortnite gamers if you've been listening to this show consistently which i know you have right (laughs) right guys of course you have um you heard that we talked about parents hiring coaches for their kids for video games um so mom take that that's why i was playing halo all that time because i wanted to be a pro not because i wanted not didn't want to do homework uh just letting you know and now fortnite is expanding into other things apparently there's a fortnite monopoly and fortnite nerf blasters like this game is out of this world i have never i don't think i've ever seen a game have this much appeal to a generation in a very very long time i mean maybe nick do you remember anything tiffany you guys remember any game that's kind of had this sort of grasp on pop culture like this i, I mean, mean frogger right i mean frogger <laughs> was a big deal <laughs> maybe uh, mario pong yeah uh. maybe mario <laughs> No, I yeah. I don't know. I, I, the the craziest thing about this whole deal after reading this article is that Disney is one of the one of the three groups that are putting this money in and becoming minority stakeholders. So, I mean, that just opens up so many crazy connections and opportunity to. Yeah. I mean, like my mind just goes wild as to like all of the things that now could happen or you could potentially see connected to Fortnite in some way, shape, or form, or you have versions of Fortnite, whatever, where it's like, I mean, think about it. Like, that's the whole Star Wars stuff. That's the whole Disney catalog. Like, now it's just like, oh, I just needed to talk to, um, you know, the guys on the other side of the hall. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be Triceratops for Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a Fortnite character, right? So Amazing. So here's and here's the thing. Here's the thing that really blows me away. So they raised one point two five billion dollars. That's a lot of money, a lot of money. But the people that put in that money, they're only going to be minority shareholders in the company. Like how much money is this company worth if someone invested one point two five billion dollars and they're still only a minority holder, a minority shareholder like if someone paid me $1.25 billion for this podcast, I want you guys to know right now that I'd probably have outside-the-box tattoos all over my body. I was just putting it out there. <laughs> but you can't – I mean, if you if you follow the Fortnite numbers very much, I mean, in May they made $318 million. I mean, they're making several – probably double digit billions per year so it kind of makes sense that 1.25 is a minority shareholder but like when are they going public like and when are we playing fortnite guys are we we need to i i think we need to set that up we need to have an outside the box fortnite live stream 
um, so people can see how bad I really am at the game. Yeah, and we can have listeners be the fourth player on our team. How about that? I would love that. There we Yo, go. So if you're interested in playing Fortnite with us, let us know down in the comments down below. And uh, let's hook this up. One of these weeks, uh, we're going to go on break pretty soon. And during that break, we'll set this up where we can just get on the sticks and get some Fortnite in instead of doing our jobs, <laughs> which is to make a podcast. <laughs> so totally, we're totally down for that. Uh, procrastination is the name of the game. Uh, but now, now uh, we've come to my favorite part of the podcast. Uh, the reason why I'm here. Uh, the whole intention of this podcast, which is to bring people together. So uh, we've been posting on social. If you don't follow us over on the Instagrams or the Twitters, you can find us at Outside Pods. And uh, a, a friend of the show, I'm going to call him Kicks with V, uh, finally uh, le- asked for some relationship advice. And so uh, he wants to know. Um, he says, I'm throwing my hat into the ring here. I'm single and open to meeting a lady slash sneakerhead, preferably Nike. Okay. Uh, he has a, he has a bit of a bias. <laughs> Can you advise me on the best places to meet these ladies and a good approach? So, uh, Tiffany, I'll let you correct everything <laughs> that I'm going to say right now. Um, but here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, I say you work out a lot. Take off your shirt, go to a restaurant, find a lady that you like, and you go, you, me, couple, come. And that, I think that, that's going to be the magic. That's going to be the magic. Oh, my Uh, God. Or, 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 more options here. Um, You wear your best pair of sneakers and... You c- let her catch you tying your shoe, and she's obviously going to ask about your shoes because they're going to be amazing because you're a sneakerhead. And that's when you turn on the charm. You you say something like, oh, these, they're not as beautiful as you. Bam! Bam! <laughs> oh, that is solid. Bam. That line's solid, but everyone knows sneakerheads don't tie their shoes. So right there, she knows he's not a real sneakerhead, oh, yeah. so she's out. But she may not be a sneakerhead. See, this is the thing. I think he she wants showed, one. He, he shows her. He wants he wants a, a lady slash sneakerhead kind of, preferably someone that's into Nikes. But he could show her the way. Long she, as she has some Nikes in her collection, he could show her the way. He could be like, hey, d- yeah, this. hey, look, this is my passion. You think I'm passionate about sneakers? How passionate do you think I'll be about you? Oh, God, I'm on a roll tonight. <laughs> Goodness. Hey, yo. Oh. Oh, I'm so good at this. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I'm going to throw out there. So, uh, Tiffany, you know, if you don't, you know, if you have an alternate way you think he should approach approach this or find the best places to meet ladies, you can throw that out there. But I, I feel like I've filled the cup already. I mean, um, I think we have a new segment called Pick Up Lines with Jacques. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So, so we're going to go with my way. Work out. <laughs> Or just wear nice shoes. I mean, you could just and wear shoes. Like that's it. That, like just I'm shoes. Just saying, these are these are these are options, people. Uh, we're here to lead you into the direction of love. This is this is the love podcast. We're no longer outside the box. We're we're, we're entering into the love section of the outside the box podcast, and I'm, I want to get you connected to people. 
We're inside the heart. We were, <laughs> we're inside the heart. We're not outside. We're not outside the box. We're inside the heart. So, uh, and now look, people, this relationship advice, it just it doesn't just have to go to kicks with the V. I can help you too. I can lead you in the direction of love. I can take you to the place where Cupid lives and show you how to be best friends. If you want an arrow to strike your heart, Outside the Box Podcast is where you come. We... We want you to love so hard it hurts. <laughs> oh, my. What have I gotten myself into? I'm, just, I'm so excited about see, this. I'm so see, excited. I, Thank you, Kicks With I would take a yeah, completely different approach, though. I, I would actually take advantage of Halloween and dress up as, like, a solo sneaker looking for your pair, right? No? Oh, no? oh my God. Oh, oh. We're levels. <laughs> levels here. Um. No. <laughs> no. So one shoe. You're no. gonna dress up as one shoe, hoping to find the other shoe. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's all I yeah. can come up with in such short notice. Okay. I, I, look, 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 Tiffany. If you if you feel like you have a better way to do this, let me know. But I'm just saying. I mean, I would probably roll into like some sneaker stores and maybe coffee shops near them. And see what chicks are hanging out that have interesting sneakers on. I mean, I would I would simplify it quite a bit. But if you threw out one of those pickup lines, I'd probably laugh, and it would be charming. That's some see. Uh, there's a there's a there's a great philosopher uh, by the name of Sean Carter, uh, also known as Jay Z. And he, uh, he has this line where he says, I gas her with the wit and the charm. And uh, I'm just saying, Jay-Z's opened the door for you. And Jacques Slade <laughs> has led you through. So, you know, this is what we do here at the Outside the Box podcast. We're here to give you relationship advice. So if you, wanna, if you want relationship advice, if you need some leadership, if you need a guiding hand, if you need a matchmaker, uh, you know where to go outside the outside the pause hit us on Instagram or hit us on Twitter or leave a comment down below and we'll, we'll, we'll we will happily uh, share the information that you need to make that love connection. <laughs> All right. Final story of the day here. Um, Rich Paul is changing the game literally when it comes to basketball and uh, he has an athlete that signed to him. And that athlete has signed a deal for $1 million, even though he is not in the league. Uh, the athlete I'm talking about is Darius Basley, and he's signed a $1 million intern deal with New Balance. So the story of Basley is a little long. So he was originally supposed to go to Syracuse. Um, so Darius is a one-and-done athlete, just FYI. So that's where a lot of this, how a lot of this story develops. He's supposed to go to Syracuse. Uh, he committed to Syracuse, actually. Decommitted to Syracuse and was like, nah, nah, son. Uh, I'm going to go to the the G League and play in the G League for a year. And then I'll just go to the draft. So the NBA doesn't allow you to go directly to the draft out of high school. You do have to do one year, whether anywhere, apparently. And then you can go into the league. And uh, Darius committed. It's like, hey, I'll just go to the G League. Then I go to the draft. However... 
uh, as of this week, that changed as well because uh, he decided I'm not even going to go to the G League. I'm going to get an internship. So, so see, there is no rule that you have to play basketball somewhere for a year. You just have to take basically take a year off. And it looks like Rich Paul is finding his way to secure the bag through this little bit of, bit of a loophole that will allow Darius to take an internship with New Balance for a year and get paid a million dollars, and then he will go to the league and be in the draft uh, when the draft comes up next June. So the the thing I love about this is it's gonna it's gonna force the hand of the NBA to revisit the one and done rule to whether athletes can come directly out of high school and go directly to um, to the league. The second part of it that that I like is that it's going to force the NBA to also reevaluate the G League. Uh, right now, athletes that go to the G League are only getting about thirty five thousand dollars on the top end for the for the whole year. And obviously, that's not enough money for people to live on, especially uh, when you only work a couple months out of the year. Like that money is gone after taxes and all that stuff. So it's, I think it's going to force them to up the salary of the players in the G League. And uh, I guess the third thing really is it, it's going to force the NCAA to really start to address how they compensate these players that have these opportunities to make all of this money, um, especially when your college, as we said earlier, is getting like hundreds of millions of dollars in apparel deals and sneaker deals from these sneaker brands. But these players are worried about whether they're going to have food to eat at the end of the semester just because they have to be cautious with their meal card or they can't meet an athlete because that's some they can't meet a superstar or something because it's figured as some sort of compensation or some an unfair advantage so they're all three of those things are going to have to change if more deals like this pop up yeah i think this is really awesome and, and it's kind of perfect timing with the other stuff going on right it's it's really going to make the both the nba and the ncaa just kind of reevaluate all of these things and it's long overdue, right? You know, they changed it, you know, I don't remember when it was, 2005 or something. Um, you know, after basically after LeBron came into the league, it changed and said you've got to go to school for one year or not not school, but you can't you can't enter the draft as a high school or after high school, which just doesn't make any sense. If 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 that's what you're blessed with, then you should just be able to go do your thing and and make your money and become a professional athlete. Um, and I think this this is a, a much cooler way of you know changing the game in a sense because it it almost sets him up to do something like we were talking about earlier with Grant Hill where like this could become the lifetime deal for him. It says in the article there's you know potentially 14 million on the table for him from New Balance. So you know I think this could be a huge opportunity for somebody to learn the business of footwear makes them make right. it makes them better by being involved with the brand and then their shoes when it comes time to, for them to get a signature or play in shoes or whatever is going to be better because they've learned other aspects of the business that that athletes that just jump straight into a contract as like an entry level player on Nike or Adidas are not going to have that experience so this is just kind of win-win for to me for for the players and you know props to um you know them for making it happen and for new balance 
to on taking a chance, you know, because it definitely is different. Yeah, I just don't understand the New Balance part. Like, that's the part that I'm lost on. Like, what is right. New Balance doing? Are they planning to come back in basketball? I mean, I mean, probably they had they had very they had you know in the 80s and 90s they had you know a solid number of shoes that were out there um, performance you know and I think that you know, like I said earlier I think that there's a lot more opportunity in the in the basketball world right now to make footwear and to to just get a little piece of this big pie that's out there compared to every other time in you know history that I can think of because it's the basketball shoes have fallen off so much in terms of the cool factor off the court. And that means everybody has the potential to throw their hat in the ring and say, I I, I want a piece of this and I'm going to do something a little bit different, you know, and we're kind of seeing that with Puma, even on the technology side with their cushioning, right? Like I think that is at least a step outside of their comfort zone. It might not be too crazy compared to other brands, but getting them out of their comfort zone and, and stepping into basketball opens a whole ton of other opportunities for them to try different things and and who knows where it can take them yeah i think the only thing that would worry me is what if he he does this year off and he uh you know is in the first game of the next season he gets hurt i mean what happens then you know what are the injury um because he won't have an education he will have one year experience in footwear i mean you know I, I would be massively worried about that if I was his mom, I guess. Yeah. Well, his deal guarantees him $1 million regardless of what happens. Yeah, but $1 million, he'll blow that in the first year of being a pro. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But I, I, I would imagine that Rich Paul has some things in the uh, – in the in the um in the mix that kind of protect the kid and help him through through this at least these first couple of years I would hope um, especially with the, the sort of clients that that Rich Paul has like LeBron and uh, Ben Simmons and who else I think they, he has a couple of other players as well uh, John Wall so I think he would probably put the moves in place to kind of make sure he, those guys that he's taken care of. Um, I think like Tiffany, my first thought was like New Balance. That's that's such a weird, that's such a weird connection. Um, but you know, reading a little further down in this article, like a lot of players that are in Basley's situation, they just go and play abroad for that first year yeah. instead of playing, um, instead of going to college or playing in the G League. Uh, so it looks like Terrence Ferguson, Terrence Ferguson went to Australia. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier went to went to went to China. Dante Exum he just worked out with private trainers for a year until he became eligible for the draft. So it seems like a lot of the you know a lot of these guys that know that they'll be able to make it into the league right away are starting to really find their own ways or find these alternative ways to to make sure that they still get into the league, but also that they don't expose themselves to the NCAA or expose themselves to the G League. I mean, but let's I mean. Let's be honest. At thirty-five thousand dollars, like the G League is not very enticing to anyone, <laughs> no. uh, ex- except for people that basically have graduated from college and necessarily didn't get drafted, and it's like this is their second chance. But for these younger guys, that this is their op, like they know they're going to through the league or they're highly ranked and and you know have a very good chance of going to the league. There's no point in playing in the G League. Like go go to Australia, make money. Go to China, make money. 
are, um, you know, just chill at home. Like, obviously, you know, mo- most of these guys have gotten paid under the table anyway from from a sneaker brand. So, hey, they're making money anyway. <laughs> yeah, we just found so, that out. But, so, yeah, we just found it out. So, it's all it's all kind of coming around anyway. But, but, It'll be fine. But, you know, what's interesting to think about is – a lot of a lot of people would never have the opportunity to intern internship directly on like New Balance's digital or marketing team. So even that straight out of high right. school is a huge jump compared to what a lot of people have as far as opportunities straight out of high school, in my yeah. opinion. So even on the business side, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm not not I say hopefully he's doesn't get hurt. He has a successful NBA career. And this is a story that goes for, you know, a couple of decades but if something were to happen, he's definitely in a pretty good position as far as like foot in the door, you know, find a job within the company. Yeah. Um, and and who knows? Like, I think at that point, too, like if you if if you have something happen where you're not going to be able to play, you're probably going to consider going back to college anyway. Right. So or I'd yeah, hope that's at least. true. But even even at New Balance as an intern, I mean, he still has to be practicing how many hours a week to stay in tip top shape to prepare for his first year in the NBA. I mean, he's still got to be practicing several hours a day, I would imagine, or at least training and working out. So, you know, how much actual time is he going to be an intern, really? Yeah. Yeah, well, most of these guys are training probably three to four hours a day or practicing three to four hours a day. So, I mean, it's definitely going to be a part-time, I would say a part-time gig as far as the internship goes, especially if he's training every day and and getting in shape the way, you know, the way he needs to to at least maintain his shape. But, you know, a point that Rich Paul made in in the article was that, you know, he's not going to do anything as far as training goes that's really going to get him prepared for the league. Like, the league is going to be... Is, is going to break you and put in, you know, and really weed you out. Um, so a lot of it, he can, he's going to do training, but like his real, like the test of the fire is really going to come when he gets into the league and starts playing in the league. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I think it's, I think it's exciting. I think it's revolutionary in a sense. And I think it really pushes the boundaries of, of, you know, of creatively thinking, especially when it comes to these players and the options that they have to show that show players that there's more options out there for you that you don't, have to do you know the traditional routes that you can find your own ways to the NBA our own find that we find your own ways to uh, I guess in this situation secure that million dollar bag uh, so New Balance if you're listening um, I'm a great swimmer and um, I don't know if there's a swim BA um, but I'm down for you guys to pay me a million dollars um, until until one uh, pops up um, I can be. I could be your lead athlete uh, for the swim BA, so I'm all for that. Are you saying you're into swimsuit development? Is that? I am. I am swim swimsuit development, um, R and D. Um, yeah, we can go experimental. Like I'm all I'm all for it. Let's let let's really push the limits and uh, show the world what we're made of. Um, so I mean, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Um, Right, write the write the please write the check to Jacques Slade. Uh, J A C Q U E S. It's spelled like it's spelled the French way. Uh, anyway, with that being said, folks, I want to thank you guys for joining us for the latest episode of the Outside the Box podcast. It's the podcast where we talk about sneakers, we talk about video games, we talk about uh, basketball, and more importantly, we talk about love uh, because love, love. 
love. That's what it's all about. Uh, if you want to follow me on the internet, you can follow me at Custo, which is K-U-S-T-O-O, and that's on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, and uh, as always, on Tinder. So swipe <laughs> right, you holler at your boy. Uh, but this show would not be what it is uh, with just me. You know, I'm, I'm obviously a bad influence. You've heard me talk a lot on this podcast. Uh, there's two people here that really write this ship and really give you the information, the knowledge, the insight that you need, and that's Nick and Tiffany. Nick, go ahead and tell them where they can find uh, Nick Engvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L on all platforms and at Sneaker History on all platforms. But really, I'm just kind of here for um, relationship advice, as I said before, and clearly mine was not good. So, (laughs) Tiffany, let them know how they can find you. and uh... (laughs) Uh, You can find me on Instagram and YouTube at Tiffany Beers, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y-B-E-E-R-S. And I really feel like we need you guys to chime in with some more relationship questions. I think one question isn't enough to see the depth of what Jacques can provide to you. So bring them, bring them. We want more than we can handle. We could do a whole show on it, frankly. So I I think we're going to have a new tagline here. It's going to be outside the box podcast, a relationship show that talks about sneakers. (laughs) So we're here for you people. We're here for you, people. Uh, Again, make sure you follow us outside pods. That's going to be on Instagram and over on the Twitters. And uh, obviously, we're on SoundCloud, Google Play, Play, and on iTunes as well. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your feedback. We appreciate you and love you so much. You guys make this show what it is. With that being said, we'll talk to you guys soon. You guys have a great, great week. Peace.